Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 23 of License to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekuso Sentai Car Ranger. Each week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. It's a beautiful day out. It's cooled off. Like a lot. Considerably, yeah. It's actually really nice out right now. But, you know what's nice about this weather, Matt? Is that it's finally shandy weather. Ooh, you know I love a shandy weather. Well, you know, I'm not generally a big shandy guy, but when it gets hot, it, it, it hits the spot. Now, I know that they make, like, pre-done shandy beers. They're not yeah, good. This, this has always seemed silly to me, because you can just get a beer and pour some lemonade in it, and it's a hundred times... Well, okay. It's a lot better. It's a lot better. I mean, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I'd uh, you know numerize it like that. But yeah, like it's way better. It's more refreshing. You can drink them more casually because it's you know you've watered down your beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, I'm in fact I'm having one right now, man. Oh, sounds lovely. Sounds lovely. But you know what else sounds lovely, Dave? It's talking <sighs> about episode twenty-three of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. For real this time, we're actually going to do we it. We are actually going to talk about it. We're talking about episode 23. It's called Overheating for a Princess. It was written by Yoshio Urasawa. Its original air date was July 26th, 1996. Uh, you can watch along with us on shoutfactory.tv or on the DVD box set if you happen to have them. But Dave, before we get into that, uh, as always, of course, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to hear what our first star of the week is? Uh, yeah, man. What is our first star of the week? Uh, first star of the week, Dave, is that I have finally, after like a two-year um, delay, uh, pulled my bike out of the basement, brought it to a shop, and had it fixed up. Oh, and nice. Now, and now I'm riding my bike around again, and Dave, it's really nice. It is like, I had forgotten how much I liked having a bike that I could use. Dude, that sounds great. I have not had a functioning bicycle in a decade. Maybe, probably more than that, actually. I was going to say, 10 years ago was 2009, and I do not remember you having a bike after college. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. So here's a weird thing. So I just had my 10-year... Beth and I have been married for 10 years. Um, as, of, as of a few weeks ago, thank you. And so now, when I say like, oh, 10 years ago... Anything that happened before I got married is more than 10 years ago. And that's a weird, like, like, that's a weird temporal mechanic, like metric for me to, to all of a sudden, like have in my back pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know like what you a, mean. Like in a few years. So I'm turning 37 this year and that like in a few years, like, ah, like 10 years ago, I'll be like, well, were you younger than 30? Because if so, that's more than 10 years, my dude. Like, yeah. it's just, it's very weird. But no, I, that's awesome. You got your bike back. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's just like, it, it was just, it had old wheels and old tires. So I thought that it needed to have like a tune-up. And I brought it, I have a, I've got a, I've got a guy for this. You got a guy. Do wheels go bad? 
Is I that mean, a thing? They just get like they were like they were like these steel rim wheels from like the eighties. Like what? eventually, yes. Like they will what, just do, sort of. Oh, okay. Just because like steel degrades over time. Okay. Yeah. They just you get just... sort of like dinged up and like bent a little out of shape and like no, 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 bent no, I got far it. enough out of shape that you couldn't bend them back into shape. Oh, okay. When you specified steel, I was like, "Did you? Are your new ones not made out of steel? Like, did you?" No, I did not opt for like super like competitive grade fiberglass wheels. No, these these ones you... are also steel. Um, Blank stuff is one of those things because we have a, a buddy of ours, uh, Matt Mark, editor Mark's brother, is like a bike guy, like not like a competitive one, but it is like it is his like primary mode of transportation um, in and around where where he lives. Well, he lives in Pittsburgh, which just makes it even crazier that he uses a bike everywhere. If yeah, right. Been to Pittsburgh, right, riding a bike in Cleveland is already sort of exhausting for me. Riding a bike in Pittsburgh sounds like torture. Like the idea torture. of riding a bike in Pittsburgh sounds alternately like. Like, it's all torture, but it sounds alternately exhausting and flat-out terrifying. Right, because either you're, like, dragging yourself up these hills or flying down the other side of them. Yeah, there's no... And we were asking him about bikes, and, like, the the gradations of bike stuff, like, the, the curve on expense, like, spikes so quickly. It's like, oh, these are regular wheels, and they're made out of steel, and they weigh... You know, they, they weigh as much ounces. as you would think is a circle of steel would weigh. Right, they weigh like thirty-two ounces, and they are how much were your how much were these wheels, Matt? Um, I got new wheels and tires and brake pads, and had the whole thing swapped out for about a hundred and fifty. Okay, so it's like two wheels. They're made out of steel. They weigh thirty-two ounces. That's a hundred. That's seventy seventy-five dollars. These wheels are made out of, like, polycarbonate, blah, 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 and they only weigh 26 ounces, and it's, like, six-ounce difference, and they're $500. And these wheels are made out of, like, unicorn whiskers, and they only weigh 12 <laughs> ounces, and they're $3,000. Like, that's a like that's a huge... Like, just the jump is real crazy. You know what else is like that? Is uh, LARP weapon building materials. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that's like that, honestly. Like, the... The entry level up to mid level point in a lot of stuff is like, oh yeah, I can see spending an amount of money on that sort of thing. And then you get a little more into it and you think, you know, I've been using this one for a while. Maybe it's time for an upgrade. And then you look at what an upgrade would cost. And it's just like, uh, it's so much like, oh, well, I guess this is never going to be a hobby. Yeah, of mine. this is just, yeah, I'm just not going to do this ever. I. Because I just cannot imagine a universe in which I'm I'm three thousand dollars into into having a bike, right? Um, but I am very excited to be on the other end of like the hundred and fifty dollar purchase of you know like new stuff for my bike because it is like the thing about having a bike that I really like that I had sort of forgotten about is that like walking everywhere is great, but you're kind of stuck within a very specific like perimeter from where you live right like just like time wise it just yeah, takes a like, yeah like practically speaking there's nothing that prevents me from walking to your house but it would just take you know a day yeah it would take like the better part of a day i imagine um whereas driving you're connected to everything but sort of isolated from it and being on a bike is sort of like a like it's right in the middle of that venn diagram where your radius expands so much out from what your walking radius is, but 
like it's not like a full day's commitment to go somewhere, but you actually do feel connected to like the city as you're riding through it. Yeah, no, I I dig that. That's very cool. No, it's nice. It's I mean, I'm I'm talking a lot of like big game about being a bike person after literally having my bike in the basement for two years and having it back for about a week. I'm just excited. <laughs> uh, but Dave, uh, what is our second star of the week? Our second star of the week, man. I don't think we've had one in a while. It's a baby watch. <laughs> We interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby Watch. So, uh, you know, it's my kids, man. Uh, I love these little goobers. Sure. So, (laughs) right. That would be real weird and bad otherwise. Um, Oh, man. Google Maps says I could walk to your place in three and a half hours. I All imagine right. that's if I, I kept up a pretty brisk pace. Uh, well, I'll see so, you at 11. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. So there's just a handful of things that uh, were, were, are particularly great about the kids right now. They are like, obviously, so they're just past two and a half and they're shooting up like weeds. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, this is just like a big, you know, like they're, they're doing all sorts of new stuff now and uh, they're speaking in like big full sentences. Wow. So, <laughs> so we were... We were at a restaurant, for example, and I looked over at Sugar Bean and she had gotten like noodles or something. And she's like drinking a bunch of water and like basically doing anything but eating her noodles. And I look over and I'm like, hey, baby, did you did you eat your noodles? And she looks at me and she says, um, I did not. <laughs> and like just the way that she said it was so, so like weirdly adult. And, <laughs> and then um, actually during that same meal... She had, she was eating noodles, right? And so she had a bunch of sauce on her face. And we were like, did you, like, did you bite your your spoon real weird? And like, is your mouth bloody or is that just sauce? And she was like, bloody. We're like, <laughs> and we're like, what? She just goes, bloody. And she like, like, does like a, like a villain style, like holds both of her fists up. And like opens her eyes real wide and just like stares at the ceiling and goes like bloody. Uh, <laughs> man, what else? Oh, we Wait, just was she this. or was it just sauce? No, it actually was. <laughs> she actually did have some blood in her mouth. She had like bitter spoon, real weird. <laughs> um, just discovered this. Buddy Bear is a home pooper. You know, like some people can only poop at home. Uh huh. Right. So he is recently he has discovered the joys of not pooping in a diaper. Okay. Right. So he's he's like really into it. He like he does not like to poop in his diaper anymore. Hey man, I get it. Yeah, no, fantastic. So the thing is though, is we were at this conference in Virginia for like a week. Uh-huh. And like he does not want to poop in his diaper. But we were staying in a college dorm and like the toilets were super loud and he they freak him out. And so like he just didn't poop. For like four days. Oh wow! And we were like, "Buddy, uh, do you like? Do you have a poop in your bottom?" And he's like, "Yeah, I do." And we're like, "Okay, well, like you, you could just go to the like you can use your diaper, like you can use the potty." And he's like, "No, use it diaper. No, use it potty." And like, so, dude, well, just buddy, do, like, there's only two options. Like, bud, you've got two options. And he fought, like on the trip home, like the last day. 
when we left, he finally, like, he lost it and uh, and did poop in his diaper and was, like, dramatically happier. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, for like, a minute there, I'm sure it was kind of rough, but... Yeah, Um. so we just discovered that he was a... He is, he's just a home pooper. Dude just only likes to poop at home, which is... Like, what's wild about that is that, like, I know that that is a trait that people have, and he's only... And he's too... Like, you wouldn't... I wouldn't think of that as a trait that, like, a two-year-old would have, right? Yeah, I guess so. But, like, I guess you have to develop that trait at some point, right? Uh, it just seems like a weirdly adult adult thing to do. And uh, what's the last thing I was going to talk about? Oh, they figured out the, the idea of I'm just, like, I'm just doing this. So he can get up on the counter now, right? Like, okay. he can just haul himself up on the counter. And so... I walk in and he's holding himself up on the counter and he's next to the sink and he's turned the water on, like the kitchen counter. And I'm like, buddy, you're not supposed to be up on the counter. And he looks at me and he says, I'm just washing my hands. As though like, just like, no, no, no. I see what you're doing. That does not negate. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm just doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Because clearly like in his mind, this is an explanation. He's like, I don't know. Like I, I get it. Yeah, no, counter, right. I'm just washing my hands. Like, I'm not doing any... Because he's allowed to wash his hands, right? That's not a problem. Sure. And I think the logic in his mind is, I'm not allowed to be on the counter so that I don't, like, do anything bad, right? I don't, like, get a knife or, like, mess around with something I'm not supposed to. But I'm allowed to wash my hands. So, like, Dad just must not get it. Like, he must think I'm up on the counter about to do something nefarious. I'm just washing my hands. I'll just let him know. And then everybody will like understand that. Sure. Fine. Everything will be cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's the update on my great kids. What Matt is our third star of the week. Dave third star of the week is podcasts. I know you love them. I love them. Okay. That's real meta. Go for it. I mean, okay. It is about specific podcasts. Um, a specific podcast. Really? I was going to talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but we uh, skipped over the five stars. But I wanted to not forget it because I really liked this podcast. And it's like a limited run, uh, like six, seven episode, like fancy prestige podcast. Um, but by prestige, like, is it produced by somebody prestigious or is it just uh, have, it like, is, it real is, high production quality? It is very high production quality. And I think that someone is like being paid to do it, you know? Okay. Like, if it's not, like, I, I don't think it's from the serial people, but, like, you get it. Like, it's sort of in that zone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I got you. It is not so a I mean, pod- like, this is not, this is not two brothers talking about Super Sentai in, like, cobbled together home studios. This is right. prestige. And I'm not saying that that means that it's better. Like, actually, most of the podcasts that I listen to are the sort of podcasts that you and I do. Um... But on a very rare occasion, I do like to listen to the more like This American Lifestyle of podcast. And this one, it was like a six, seven episode run. Uh, the show, it's from the same guy who did that like Richard Simmons podcast a couple of years ago, where he was trying to find Richard Simmons because he had like, no one had seen heard from him in a while. Uh, and this one is called Surviving Y2K. Whoa, 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 wait, hold up, hold up. What, uh, well, wait, what happened to Richard Simmons? What's up? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I didn't listen to that podcast. I was just what, sort of giving some context for who this person was. Man, what? 
Dude, I haven't thought about Richard Simmons in like 15 years. Now I'm thinking about Richard Simmons. You're just going to drop this mystery into my lap and I you mean, don't actually have the answer. I mean, I, what? I, I can point you towards the answer. There is a full podcast season about looking for him. Man, I, did, I, don't, I, did, I did not mean to effectively like buzz market this podcast time. to you. Uh, I need I was answers just providing, now. I mean, I don't know, man. Google it. We, we got to keep the show rolling. Um, anyway, that is not the podcast I want to talk about. The podcast that I want to talk about is a new season from that same guy. And it's all about surviving Y2K. Now, you may say, Matt, we've already all succeeded at that. And I would I say, yes, say, true. I'm fine. I mean, mostly. Um, it's been some years. But what is interesting about this show is it is not a Y2K survival guide. It is a series of, like, interviews and, like, retrospectives on what it was like to lead up to and then live through and then sort of, like, come out the other side of Y2K. It was pretty wild. Well, uh, see, that's... answer is... Richard Simmons is mostly fine, Matt. Okay, cool. Um, the and the, anyway, that is the thing that I think is very interesting about this podcast is that Y two K was a, such a huge deal until it wasn't a big deal anymore, and then people just basically didn't talk about it anymore. But when you think back on that, like two three years of your life, it was like a weirdly huge part of it. So having <laughs> the opportunity to like. Just reflect on how crazy it was. And, like, it's a lot of, like, very specific interviews. Like, this is what these three people were doing on this day. Yeah. No, that is really... Well, because here's the thing about Y2K, right? Is, like, it was this giant thing. And I I have talked to people who worked in computers and, like, technology at the time. And they were like, listen... This was a very real concern. Like, this was a real problem... Like, we just dealt with it, but, like, you know, just because we dealt with it, don't, don't like, look back and think that it wasn't a concern. Like, it was a real concern. But, like, so it was this, like, a giant looming concern, but it also had, like, a very hard cutoff point, at which point it was either going to be fine or it wasn't. And that point was just, like, midnight. January, uh, you know, December 30th, 1999. And then it was fine. So, like, you just immediately didn't have to think about it anymore. Right. And and that, I think, that is a lot of the, the sort of hook of this show, is they just talk about, like, that whole feeling. And, like, people sort of either being excited or let down when nothing happened. And, like, they talked to a bunch of preppers. They talked to some people who, like, you know... It, it's... Anyway... I'm not going to go, like, beat by beat and tell you what happened in this show. But every once in a while, I listen to one of these, like, fancy prestige podcasts, and it's really good. And this one was really good. It's called Surviving Y2K. Here is... That does actually sound super interesting. Here is my one fun blurb about about Y2K. Uh, Bath's parents were, like, not, like, super hardcore, but were, like, moderate core preppers. Okay? They were, like, I mean, like, a lot of people her- were. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Beth's dad is, like, in technology. And he was like, listen, I'm pretty sure it's going to be fine. But like he was very in tune with like how bad it could be if it if it broke bad. Right. So they were like mild preppers. And he uh, had he was like part of a he was like on a forum. People were like, oh, this is like what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And he was like, hey, 
I like we like live on this. We have this like piece of property like out out in the country. Why don't some people who live in the area like you can all come out? We can like hang out and, like blah blah blah. So it is important to know that um, Beth's father, whom I love dearly, I just I want to I just this story is told with so much love. Like I think the world of this dude. He is a, he's a diminutive man, like he's just not a large dude, mm-hmm. and he. But he is also. <laughs> <laughs> but his handle for this forum was was uh, his name, Big Dog. Okay. Okay. Like I said, he's like he's a diminutive dude. He's like five foot six or something. Like he's he's on the small end, and he's you know, and uh, and he is not he is not the sort of dude to whom you would append the appellation Big Dog. Right, that's that's, you, that's 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 an internet name you pick when you're not planning on meeting people. Right, no, no, no. So people show up and they're like, hey, how are you? And he's like, hey, what's up? It's me, like, Big Dog. And they're like, you, your, your, his name isn't Steve. Your name is, your Steve Big Dog. And he's like, yeah, I, I like big dogs. <laughs> and he does, like, he just, he has dogs and they're all large dogs. And so, like, there was no connection in his mind between the idea of being Steve, a dude who likes big dogs, and Steve Big Dog. Right. <laughs> that is great. Uh, I also did once see a chainsaw with a sticker that said Y2K compliant. Oh, dude, everything. Everything had to be Y2K compliant, even if it didn't have any computers in it. Uh, yeah, and that really uh, that really tickled me. What, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Uh, fourth star of the week, and I will uh, just sort of mention it in passing because we have really dragged out these first three stars, is uh, I've got the new Super Mario Maker game. It's really good. Oh, cool. Uh, that I, sounds really fun. Yeah, the original Super Mario Maker was really fun. I played it because I had a Wii. I was one of like the ten people who had and enjoyed a Wii U. Um, yeah, I have and enjoy a Wii U too. Um, but, I actually got the Super Mario Maker bundle. Oh, nice. Well, Super Mario Maker 2 is just like Super Mario Maker, but there's more Super Mario stuff that you can put into it. Like, they've really expanded what options you have. Like, now you can make a a Super Mario World level where you you could not do that before. You can put in, like, slanted uh, paths, whereas before you could only do, like, stepped paths. So cool, it really cool, like cool. they they put a lot a lot of new stuff in the game, um, and it really has expanded the uh, crafting capabilities. But that also means it is just like the old game was already Infinite Super Mario Brothers, and this one is like Infinite Super Mario Brothers with somehow more options. You know, I think the thing I didn't play a ton of Super Mario Maker One, uh, even though I wanted to, because what I was hoping was for basically Infinite Super Mario Brothers. And what I ended up seeing a lot, like a lot more of, was like people doing like weird, like specialty levels, and like, like, like oh, I've I've play, uh, built a level where like if you run across it, it plays like old McDonald or something crazy. Yeah, there's um, definitely that stuff. I, I, just I like, feel no, like I really just wanted to play more Super Mario, and a lot of not a lot of people were doing that. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where you just kind of have to get good at learning which ones to play. 
Like, if you do it for a while, you can kind of look at the description of a level mm. and say, like, okay, this is going to be a real level, or this is just somebody's weird, like, torture box that they built. Um, anyway, Dave, what is our <laughs> fifth Star of the Week? So our fifth Star of the Week, Matt, I just kind of wanted to circle around and talk about Fallout 76 for a few more minutes. Um, Check it's in summertime. on that, boy. I have been... I've had a little bit more of a chance to play it. And dude, it's still real fun. Here is the thing that I actually wanted to talk about, though. Uh, they've done a lot with the game, like Bethesda has. Now, I just want it like, obviously, Bethesda really, you know, really pooped in the bed uh, when, when Fallout 76 came out. You know what I mean? Like, I know yeah. there were all sorts of problems where, like, people had paid for this, like, prestige edition and they sent out this, like, yeah, this, it like, was, janky secondary stuff. It and, was it was a the, badly rolled out game. Yeah. And and people, I think, you know, like, listen, we got it pretty close to launch and I, I have had fun with it since day one. But people, I think, very reasonably were like, this is a bad game. Like, this game is is, you know, like, it has a lot of problems and is not a good game. But Bethesda has just continued to, like, roll out, like, update after update after update after update and are, like, and are like changing the game and tweaking the game and, like, adding in new stuff. And I'm starting to see a lot of reports around now. And people are like, well, I, I, I guess I'll have fun with it. <laughs> like, there's, like, new reviews that are coming out because people, like, come to... There's been so many updates. People are like... It's like, well, we should review it again. And, like, it's fun, and they have a good time, but they're very, like, angry and reluctant to admit it. Right. Uh, like, I got so badly burned on this before that even though it is fun now, I'm, I just don't, I don't want to give them the satisfaction. Right, of, of admitting that the thing that they have done is good. Um, so, yeah, I'm still having a blast with Fallout 76. And they've added in a bunch of new stuff. And I think one of the cool things is, is they've made a multiplayer game that I am interested in playing. Because I generally, we've talked about this before. Generally speaking, I am not particularly interested in playing multiplayer online games. Right. Um, yeah. Neither am I, really. Yeah. But they have created a game that I think is really fun. And I like interacting with people on it. Because, like, you're never interacting with, like, a ton of people. Right, interacting with somebody else is either something that you have chosen to do, like you have like called someone on the phone and said like, hey, do you want to play this game together? Like, or you, it's yeah. like a weird novelty where you are down in this cave and some other guy happens to roll through. And like in that moment, you're like, oh, right, there are other people playing this game with me. I had forgotten because I hadn't seen one in three hours. <laughs> right, like you can see him on the map, but like you don't run into him. Um... And then the other real, like, the other crazy thing is I was actually playing it this afternoon, and I ran into a dude. Like, there's no joke about this. I was just so blown away that it was true. I ran into a dude who was level 256. Wow. That's a very high level, Dave. It's an astonishingly high level. And I just was like, wow. Wow, what? Wow, bud. That's... What has your last eight months of your life looked like? Has it just been this? Has it just been this? Because, boy, howdy. 
That's an astonishingly high level. I was going to say, I like Fallout 76. I do not play it until you get to level 250 like Fallout 76. You know what I mean? I just don't even... I mean, I guess it's an infinite world and there are like daily quests that you can do to continue to level up. So like, there is... Man, I guess... I guess there's, like, clearly he did it. So, like, there's stuff that you can do. Uh, I was just pretty blown away by by seeing that. Uh, anyways, Matt, Fallout 76. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Having a good time. That's, that's really it. Right on. Well, uh, speaking of having fun and having a good time, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode... 23 of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we just finished watching episode 23. It's good. It's really good. It's got a lot to recommend it, Dave. It does. Um, so this is a Naoki-focused episode. I think this is the second... Nauki episode we've had, is that right? Uh, at least second, because there was the one with him on the bicycle. It's probably at least his third. I can't remember what a third one is, but I feel like there's been at least one more. So anyway, so this is a Nauki-focused episode, uh, which is fun. I like this character a lot. And we open up, and the the sort of central point of this episode is that they are. it is a World Gem Expo. Which I love, A, I love the idea of, B, my initial thought, I gotta be real, this cannot be as good, it, I just, I feel like it can't be as good as the last gem-oriented episode, which was uh, Diamond Dimension, back in Jetman. I'm willing to give it a shot. Okay. I mean, man. I mean, having watched it, I, I think I would say that I, I, I don't think it's quite as... I don't think it's as good as the mm. Diamond Dimension episode, but I do... I don't want to cut it short, because this is a very, very good episode. I just have a real soft spot for that one. Really, it's just the image of, like, Kaori, like, dumping every gem that she could buy in the city of Tokyo, like, onto Akko. Um, anyways. Extremely so good. But this one is so also good. good. This one is also good. So it's the World Gem Expo, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It is... Uh, it's like a gem, but also it seems to just be like, it's like a mineral show. Cause it's like, this is just like people collect minerals. And if you like have a cool chunk of malachite, like you show up and someone's like, I'd love that chunk of malachite and you buy it or sell it. Yeah. I think part of it is vendors. Part of it is just like things on display, you know, like the world's largest diamond, the world's rarest emerald. I don't know exactly how you define what the rarest emerald is, but it's there. It's there. It's like Comic-Con, but for rocks. Yeah, but like cool rocks. Yeah. So um, there's this woman, and we see her, and she's she's walking through, and she's got she's just chilling out by herself, and she's got this gigantic ruby pendant. Honestly, it's a little bit ominous. And, uh, and then we flip to the Rangers. Yeah, and, and she is not walking through the expo. She's like landing at the airport and like making her way through town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Matt. Uh, so then we cut to the Rangers, and they are all skipping work. Yes. And they are eating ice cream. And they're like, man, ice cream tastes... I like this. I really appreciate that they acknowledge this. They're like, ice cream tastes a lot better when you are skipping work to do it. This is a weird, like... Because, like, you can skip school 
Like, you shouldn't. Right. But, but like, you can. Yeah, you can play hooky. There's not, like, a super serious repercussion if you skip school. Like, if we find out... Uh, sorry, we educational professional like if we find out about it like you know you're gonna get in trouble but like there's not like a huge penalty for it i've do people just skip work is that a thing well see here's the thing about this is this is all of the employees of pegasus motors like this is the whole company other than the boss right so this is not just like steve in accounting like calling in sick and like slipping off to go to Cedar Point. This is the entire staff of this firm. Right. Unless they have Dapu back at the garage, like doing all five of their work. Which is not impossible. Now, also, I will say the president does not seem to be there every day. So maybe they were just like, you know what, man? Like, we're kind of ahead. We can push this stuff. The president's not here. Let's just dip. Let's just dip. Maybe it's actually easier to skip work in this scenario because they're like, they're like a small union. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't fire us all. Right, right. Um, but they're like, listen, everything is cooler if you're skipping something that you're supposed to do to, to do it. Uh, Mark Twain said it in the early, whenever he said it, uh, he's totally right. So as they're walking, they run into this this woman. Yeah, she's like driving around town. She stops her car gets out and turns to them and says like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for the Gem Expo. Could you point me in the right direction? Right. And as the, she does this, Naoki sees her, and she's a very pretty young lady. She is. He sees her and like, he doesn't faint, but like he drops his ice cream cone and has to like run away and hide behind Kyosuke. Be like, Kyosuke, like, tell, tell her where the Gem Expo is. I, I cannot face her. Like, I literally... So he had... Matt said he dropped his ice cream cone. He's got, like, a very tall twist cone. You know, it's probably, like... this is It's just, like, seven or eight inches high of ice cream. And when he sees her, he, like, drops it. And it, like, tilt, drops over and falls. And uh, if that's not, like, a little Freudian gag slipped in by the writers, I don't know what is. Although, I, I feel is, like it's actually kind of the opposite. Because... What the, what the problem is, initially I thought that this was a woman that he knew that he was trying to hide from. But no, Naoki, where we'll find out in the next scene, just gets super nervous around pretty ladies. Like, he just yeah. cannot handle himself. Yeah, he is He is. Im, he is impossibly flustered. Like, he literally cannot like, talk to her. cripplingly flustered. So, we find out that this woman, her name is Princess... Sorry, Matt. My notes say Princess Karen, because I was doing voice to text. Her name is not Karen. Uh, no, her, her name is Princess Karen. That's also what oh, it is in my notes. Oh, her name is Princess Karen. Okay, rad. So her name is Princess Karen. She's from the Divaldi Kingdom. That, I think, is not right if you were doing voice to text. But I also I, yeah, well, don't know what the kingdom was. It's just some... It's like, it's like the Bilbo non- Kingdom or something. Yeah, it's wherever she's from. It's not real. Um... And so she's like, I've got this. I'm trying to get to this gem expo. Uh, the next thing we see is we, we go up from there to Barbarian. And Beauty's on Net is like reading a magazine about the gem expo. It's also partially about her because she, actually, I think it's I think it's President Gynamo who's reading the magazine. It's Zanet oh, who is on it. the cover because this is a space oh, magazine. That's right. 
It's a space magazine and Beauty Zenit is on it. Um, and they, they find out, they're like, oh, this gem is going to be at this gem expo. Right. It is some sort of power stone. And I don't know yes. what that is meant to imply, but President Gynamo says like, oh, it's it used to be a shooting star and then it came to Earth and it's like God's gem that suppresses natural disasters. Yeah, like clearly, yeah, like whatever it is, it's like it's a magical space gem that has magic space powers and is like cool. Right. And so Zanet says, obviously, I want that. Go get it Obviously, for me. give me it. Um, Instructor Richie Hiker pops in. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got a much cooler idea. Instead of stealing this gem, why don't we... Like, we should steal it. Oh, yes. We're definitely stealing it. That is step one. But step two is not make a necklace. Step two is that we drop it in a glass of water from Barabarian. And there is something about the water on Barabarian that when it interacts with gemstones... Like, maybe this specific gemstone or gemstones like it. I, I think that it is just any gemstone. Because here, here is what I think is happening. He says, let's put the gemstone in the water. What do we do? It'll make the gemstone explode. And since it's this, like, powerful stone, it will explode in a large enough firework. that Like, that is how we will blow up the earth into fireworks. Right. So if you remember in the first episode of this show, they were shown, like, draped in necklaces and jewelry that they were stealing from a... Uh, planet yeah and then you saw the planet explode into fireworks i think that maybe this is just how they blow up planets into fireworks they so just they get steal the enough jewelry. jewelry put it in a pile <laughs> pour on their like weird like polluted water and that causes a chain reaction that blows up the planet dude guys you I mean, I guess if you don't have any, like, gem-oriented Barabarian gang members, it would be fine. But you still maybe should not be drinking that water. That can't be... Well, I mean... That can't be healthy. You shouldn't drink the water, Dave. And I shouldn't drink the water. But it's probably fine for President Gynamo. Yeah. So... So they say, they're like, well, listen, it's going to be hard to get. Because, like, whoever has it is going to guard it really closely... Because it prevents natural disasters. So, like, we've got a, you know, like, we, we can't just, like, we're not just going to be able to, like, walk up and snag it. And President Gynamo says, okay, cool. Uh, here's the plan. We're going to send down V.V. Gorin. And yes. V.V. Gorin is a wild monster. Dude, V.V. Gorin rules. So, he is... Like, he looks like a, he's wearing, like, a wrestling or weightlifter singlet. Um, He's evil Olympics, is what he is. Yeah, he's evil Olympics, he's, he's is, an, is basically what he is. He's an evil Olympian who is also, like, his head is the Olympic torch. Uh, and, like, what he does is he has, like a, like, a fancy gold medal on his chest, and he can rub that gold medal, and it lets him do, like crazy super sports like super sport themed attacks yes uh oh I, I will say i just looked it up 96 was a summer olympics i was just i was dave i just pulled up my phone and was going to be looking that up where was it yeah. in 96 was that in it, was that in atlanta it was in atlanta and i was like i was really hoping that it was one because there was a there have been a year a couple of years where it was held in japan 
Um, it wasn't held in it was it it was it was in Atlanta, but it was a Summer Olympics that year, so it did it like it made sense. Actually, June. When did you say this episode aired? Uh, it would have been uh, July twenty sixth. July twenty sixth. So that was probably that- either during or right before or after the Olympics. Okay, dig it. Very cool, yeah, guys. No, we should well should check out either the ninety two season or the two thousand season and see if they did a an Olympics monster. So, anyways, uh, yeah, Vivi Goren, uh, and he is he is an evil Olympian. That is that is his thing. So. We go from there. We see the Rangers. The Rangers at some sort of market thing, like a far outdoor farmers market. No, it's it's like a, it's like a cool. It is an outdoor market, but it's like a street market. It's like a oh cool right, okay, got it, got it, got it. Shopping area, like yeah, a trendy that's right. spot. And they are, they are, they are wearing aggressively the wrong colors. Yes, like Yoko they is wearing, wearing yellow. Um, Naoki is wearing green. Like they're wearing the five ranger colors, and none of them are wearing the right one, except for Kyosuke. Which except thank Kyosuke. goodness, Kyosuke is wearing red. Yeah, at least somebody is is on point. Um, so there's a lot of pretty women out here shopping for clothes because, like I said, it's right. like a trendy shopping area. Naoki, Naoki is cannot handle completely it. beside himself. Yeah, he is. He, they are walking through the market, and he is like crouched down with his like head pressed into Kyosuke's back, so that he does not see any of these pretty ladies. And they say, "Like, dude, what is happening?" And he's just, "I, I just can't handle it, guys. I'm sorry." And now, what's what's fun is that the is Yoko pops into the conversation at this point. Is like, "Oh yeah, I remember when you first met us. You were like." Totally beside yourself and couldn't handle it. Now, the thing... Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. I missed that line, and I'm glad that that's in there. Because otherwise, this would have been some, like, subtle but extremely harsh shade that Naoki was throwing. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. She absolutely says that. And he acknowledges it with a slight head nod. But then Kyosuke says, oh, like... Essentially, he says, like, he was just scared of you. Like, he wasn't nervous around you because you're pretty. He was just scared of you because you two are terrifying. (laughs) Well, see, that makes sense for Natsumi, but Yuko is not... Anyway, she's not terrifying. Okay, so um, they get a quick enemy alert, but then we go to Princess Karen. Mm -hmm. And she is just driving around in kind of a janky old car with zero security escort. I also like have this in my just, notes, but it will make sense later. Yeah. She's just, she's she's a foreign dignitary with the hugely valuable gem, and she is just chilling. Um, so then the Olympian monster is, he's ch- uh, Vivi Goran, he's chasing her. And then he like, he, he rubs his metal and he like jumps, he like long jumps over the car and lands in front of her. And then she, so she likes, because she doesn't understand what's happening, of course. Right. So she breaks to avoid hitting this dude. And then he lights a fuse, sadly, not with the top of his head. No, but he does have a different torch. He, yeah, he does have an Olympic torch. It would just be cooler if he used his flaming head. Um, and he lights a fuse and then surrounds her car with a ring of fire. Yeah, and she, I don't, I can't tell if she's, like, passing out from the heat or smoke or if she just, like, faints because this is a very weird thing to happen. 
Um, but she is passed out. He is closing in to grab the gem from her when suddenly our heroes arrive. Yes. It's really cool. Um, they put out the fire very slowly. I assume that VV Gorin has stepped out for a quick latte. Because <laughs> the, like, they are seriously, like, they're putting out this fire for like a solid 30 seconds. And v, like v, we know Vivi Gordon was standing right there. It's like one of the most egregious examples I've ever seen of like Rangers deal with something while monster, monster idly stands by. I mean, um, he, listen, he does want that gem, but he is concerned about fire safety. Okay, so as they they put this fire out, um, he summons a javelin. He like does he be like Vivi Gorin and he like rubs the metal and he summons it. I'm not gonna say he rubs the metal every time. I'm just gonna say what he does. Right. Um, just keep in so mind he rubbing that metal. He just like a lot, like a lot, a lot, um, and very conspicuously too. This will become a plot point. So he does a javelin. It doesn't really do anything. Um, some some then, wumpers show up. They get into a fight, and Kyosuke says, "Hey, we'll take care of this." Naoki, take Princess Karen and get her away from here. Right. Now he isn't thinking about this, or, like, maybe he did not connect, like, the woman he met before to, like, when Kyosuke says, like, go help that person. But even as the blue racer, Naoki is completely unable to control himself. Like, not, not control himself, like, he's unable to handle this. Like, he runs up to help her, and as he gets her out of the car, he's like, oh, no, I didn't realize you were a pretty girl. And he just kind of, like, flips out. Yeah, like, what what I like about this is that it's going to continue to happen throughout the episode. I think it's not that he forgot that he was flustered. No, actually, it is that he forgot that he's flustered. It's that when he is in the zone and, like, performing acts of heroism, he, like he's, good. he's fine. He's totally fine. It's like people who have a stutter who are fine when they sing, but they have the stutter when they speak. Like, when he is performing acts of heroism... He can be around women totally fine, no trouble. It's when they're out of danger and he, like, looks over at her, he immediately remembers, like, oh, yes, gosh, very pretty woman. Don't know how to be around her. Yeah. Um, he blushes through his helmet, and he is so stunned and flustered that he, like, reverts to his... Like, he loses his henshin. He's so overcome. And then he's trying to re-henshin, and he, like, can't activate his Excel changer. Like, he can't get the key. Yeah. Like, he's so, his hands are so if, shaky. If you, if you don't actually watch the show, um, oh, yeah, sorry. The, the way the Excel changers work is, like, they have a physical key, and they put that key into, like, the ignition that is on their bracelet, and turn the key, and that's what starts it. And he just can't get the key in the slot. Yeah. So, uh... Then we so they just run over. because like he can't really fight, but he's still supposed to keep her safe. So they just get out of there. So uh, Vivi Gorin has constrained the other Rangers with uh, rhythmic gymnastic hoops, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is great. And I also remembered I was like, uh, was it Bio Ranger that they used Bio Man that they used uh, rhythmic gymnastic stuff? Um, might have been Bio Man. Can't remember exactly. I mean, I've got a giant chart somewhere, but I don't want to pull it up right now. Uh, anyways, I just thought that those little rangers would be a little bit, a little bit maybe embarrassed and chagrined about that. Uh, so... Well, maybe if there had been a crossover. <laughs> right. 
So uh, then he does some boxing gloves and uh, Blue and the princess, like, they drive away. Like, they're, they're just trying to escape. But uh, Vivi Gorin, like, jumps on the car. Right. They're not driving away in one of the ranger cars. They're driving away in Princess Karen's, like, convertible. Right. <laughs> and he just jumps into the open back seat. And so, like, they're trying to get away from him. They're swerving all over the road. And Nauki is trying to do some, like, you know, some aggressive driving to shake him off of the back of the car. And he's like, okay, hold on to me so that you don't go flying when I do all these tricks. And then she does hold on to him. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, this was a mistake. I cannot be this close to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, I mean, he ends up, like, kind of spinning the car out. And even though that's not what he meant to do, it does have the same effect that he was hoping for. And Vivi Gorin is knocked off the car. And they're able to get away. Yeah. So, um... So they run away. Vivi Gorin like chases them into a fun park and he's looking around for them. He passes by a panda, like a dude in a panda bear costume and someone in a dog costume. And he's like, hey, have you seen like these people? And they're like, oh yeah. And they hold up signs that point like the opposite direction. And then Vivi Gorin runs that direction. And then after a minute, he stops. He's like, Wait a minute! And this he seems turns very around. convenient, right? He turns around and he sees, of course, uh, Karen and Nauki like getting out of the costumes and running away. Um, which is great. It's also weird that they bothered to get out of the costumes. Like they could have just walked away slowly in costume and probably gotten away with it. Yeah, but they need uh, to get so out of Vivi- these costumes because there's going to be a couple costume changes, folks. Yeah, uh, Vivi Gorin captures the princess with a rhythmic gymnastic ribbon. Um, Blue does he finally Nauki manages to like keep it together for long enough to to rescue Princess Karen from that at least, um, and then they just run again. So they they do run away. Uh, they run into a carousel like a merry-go-round, which is. I think literally maybe like the worst, actually any Ferris, don't get on a ride because all rides go back to wherever they started from. Yeah. And the one weird thing about this uh, carousel though, is that when they find, I'm sorry, when Vivi Gordon finds them on the carousel, he's like comes up a set of stairs onto the platform that they're on. So I, is this like a multi-level carousel? Did they like get on it? Cause it was out of, like, it's off of the ground level, so maybe, like... Man, maybe. I don't know. I'm intrigued by the idea, but I have sort of an outsized love of merry-go-rounds. I'm not really sure. Like, it's such a dumb ride, but I really like merry-go-rounds. I think there's real real fun and cool. Yeah, man. Um, but anyways, Vivi Gorin, like, runs up, and he's like, Gorin! And they're like, oh, no! And they run away. Um, they run away, and there's just sort of, like, hiding under this, this like, wooden arch. And now he's like, listen, I'm super sorry. I'm generally a lot more competent than this, but like, I when I talk to pretty girls, like I just kind of lose it. I get I got super flustered. I don't know what happens. I just you know I'm I'm real sorry. Princess Karen is like, oh my gosh, really? Like, like she's deeply flattered. She's like, oh my gosh, you think I'm pretty? That's so great. Like, yeah, it's like yes, but that's <laughs> not what I was trying to very, communicate. Like, right? Like she just has this very sweet reaction, but like. Princess Karen, like, I get it. That's very nice that he thinks, like, keep it together. You guys are on the run from a murderous space monster. So they're, they're trying um, to figure out, okay, what, what can we do to stop this guy? Clearly, he has some sort of, like, special abilities over and above just being a good athlete. So 
like, how are we going to figure this out? And as they are talking about it, Princess Karen is sort of fidgeting with her necklace, with the gem. Yeah. And Naoki looks at that. He's like, oh, wait a second. He sees her fidgeting with her necklace, and he remembers then watching Vivi Gorin rub his metal. He says, aha, that's it. Like, we just need to get the metal away from Vivi Gorin, and then he'll go back to just being like a regular athlete, and we can beat that. That's just like yes. a fast guy. Yeah. And he's like, princess, I'm going to try and handle this. I need you to keep your distance from me because I just, like, I can't handle your prettiness. And if I'm going to be useful at all, like, I need to be out, like, outside of your area of effect. Like, outside of your prettiness aura. And, and then I'll be able to do this. So, um, the next thing we see is amazing. And here's what it is. Vivi Gorn is standing there. And a geisha runs up to him. And it's Nauki. Mm-hmm. So, it's Nauki dressed as a geisha. And he says, an evil samurai is after me. Please help. Vivi Gorin, for some reason, is like, oh, okay. Of course. Of course like, I'll of help course you. I will, of course I will do that thing. And so the evil samurai runs up, and it's Princess Karen. Uh-huh. And she, like, slashes at Vivi Gorin, like, and tries to get the medal... Yeah, but like, and like it, it doesn't work. Like while they are engaged with that, like Naoki is trying to like grab it from around his neck, and they like he realizes what's going on. He sort of like throws Naoki off. Karen gets him with the sword, and he falls over. And then instead of hitting him with the sword again, the two of them just bolt. They're like, listen, yeah. our costume thing didn't work. We got to get to the next stage of our plan. No time and to hit Vivi this guy Glenn. with the sword. Well, then Vivi... No, I think it's... This makes sense because Vivi Goran hops up and he's completely uninjured. He was just so, like, overtaken with, like, the theatricality. Like, he just plays into it and he's like, wait a minute, I'm fine. This is silly. Um, So then he chases them again and now they're on a construction site Mm -hmm. and the princess is a dude using a jackhammer. She has, like, a a gray goatee stubble thing painted on her face. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then Blue, I really like that they have just made Princess Karen play all the male roles. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Naoki rolls up and dressed as a policeman, and he tries to use his like police baton to flick the metal off. Um, no, he does. Yeah, he, he does. does. Sorry, he, he does He it. yells at him for a minute like, hey, this is a construction site. You can't be here. You have to go around. And again, Vivi Gorin responds not like a monster, but like a human who has accidentally wandered onto a construction site. Like, he's apologetic. He's saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I gotta get out of here. And then, that's when he gets him with the baton. Yeah. So, um, so now he is, he's just like an ordinary, an ordinary athlete, basically. Right. Um, I mean, but he's still a monster from space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's like a, an ordinary, he's, he's reduced. His power level is reduced. Um, but the... Even with his power level reduced, now he still is not in his uh, ranger form. So he still cannot really match Vivi Goren right. uh, in this way. Princess Karen kind of runs away from him. And as Princess Karen runs away from him, Naoki says like, yeah, okay, now it's it's Naoki time. I can do this. And he pulls out his key and he's about to 
uh, power up again. But at the same time, some Wumpers appear and they start attacking Princess Karen. They get the medal back from her. So they, they only ever stole the medal for like three seconds. It was completely yeah. useless. Um, yeah. But then she runs away from the Wumpers back to him just as he is about to henchen. And so like that is now completely off the table. Yeah. He's got the jitters and the shakes um, all over again. <laughs> right. Um, they start on a roller coaster. They manage to get away from, from Vivi Gorin. And then they end up on a Ferris wheel. And they're in a, like a hangy compartment, like one of the cars, yeah, I guess. you know how Ferris wheels and they're, are. they're safe. You know how they be. And uh, so they're safe for the minute. And the princess is like, listen, I'm... Like, I feel really bad about about dragging you into this. And now he's like, no, like, it, it's fine. Like, I really, I'm glad to help. Like, yeah. this is kind of my thing. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm just going to get out of here. Like, I've got to take care of this myself. I, don't, I, I can't have you involved. And now he's like, you can tell he's really hurt. Like, what, don't don't you think I'm reliable? Like, I'm, I'm trying to be a good hero. No, not particularly. Uh, and she says, um, no, like, that's absolutely not it. Here's the deal, and this actually explains why she traveled to this country and was just driving around with, like, no security detail. Yeah, so it turns out that, like, in she is, not only is she the princess, she is, like, the, what is it, the crown, like, she's about to become queen. Right. But before she can be the head of state, like, it's this tradition that whoever it is has to like take this special gem and like go on a journey and like bring it back safely. And then you can be like crowned head of state. Right. And then so like, she's peace like, can reign and your, your country will be safe and for another generation. Fine. Right. So like, that's what she's doing. So it, it actually does make sense that she's here, that she's here all, here all, all by herself. Um, she's the crown princess. That's what the word I was looking for. And uh, so Blue's like, listen, this is, th- that's crazy. Like, that's way too much. I, I'm going to help you. Um, and as he is saying this, like, that that ribbon from Vivi Gorin, like, wraps around his arm, pulls him down, like, pulls him down out of the Ferris wheel. So he's down on, like, the tracks of the roller coaster. Princess Karen says, like, she looks down and is like, oh my gosh, I need to help. Leaps out of the Ferris wheel, makes like a standing horizontal jump of about 20 feet is what it looks Uh like. Like 20 feet out and probably like 15 to 30 feet down. Just like lands on the, lands on the thing next to her. Um, And and this has got to be some power stone stuff, right? Oh yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Like I was trying to figure out how in the world she did this, but she does have this magic rock. Um, and Blue is like, "Dude, you need to run away. Like you, like I will try and distract this monster. Like you need to run." She says, "Like no, I will. Like I will sacrifice the stone. Yeah. like to save you. This is very bad royalty." Like I feel for you, Princess Karen, but if you really think that this one, that this gem is like m- the thing that mystically protects your kind of no-name kingdom for an entire generation and like all of your people and your entire country, like it is, 
I just feel like it's irresponsible to be like, no, I'll th- I'll give that away to save this one dude that I just met. Well, maybe 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 she, if we're choosing to be uh, generous here, maybe she just. Like, put, it's definitely heroic. Sort yeah, of. it's definitely heroic, and it's selfless for her. Um, but it, and maybe she just believes enough in Noki that she's saying, listen, we're gonna give away the stone, and then once he's no longer being held for ransom, or like you know. Uh, like there's no longer a gun to his head, then we can go after this guy and get it back. We already got the metal from him once, so we can probably get the stone from him an- another time. Right. Now, there is a... She does say, she's like, I know that the gem would not want you to sacrifice yourself. So, like, at least there is a, there is also some, some external logic that we hear about. Um, now, she does then trip and falls over the entire safety railing like she just like must like trip and then do like a sort of like a standing hop leap as she's tripping cuz this is like a very significant safety railing um and she but she doesn't drop the necklace thank goodness yeah but she is dangling for her life so Noki like wrestles himself away from uh Vivi Gorin and like jumps down and grabs her arm and is trying to pull her back up uh, and like you know, they struggle with it for a while, uh, but yeah. Again, Vivi Gorn is just chilling out. He's gone for second latte. He's got to keep up that intense energy, Dave. And, no, that's what it is. He's not. He's not going out for a latte. He's got to hydrate. He's always running around. If you're good if point. You're, good if point. you're that caliber of an athlete, you definitely need to make sure you're keeping up with your hydration. Get some electrolytes in you. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. So like. They Oh, I mean he does shoot them with a laser that's the shape of the Olympic rings. Oh man, I forgot about the Olympic ring laser. Yeah, he does do that. So they're falling. Um Blue Nauki, he fi- like he does it. He he and it's pretty rad actually. He changes he excel changes midair and then uses like blue racer power to like fall faster. Than Princess Karen? Yeah, or rather... And he hits the ground. Or rather, he must do that because he was actually behind her and he ends up on the ground before. We don't see any sort of use of powers to make this happen. It's just bad camera work. Yeah, sorry. I should have specified. He doesn't be like, Blue Racer! And like get coated in energy. He just is on the ground all of a sudden. And then, yeah. Um, So then the rest of the arrangers arrive in the best possible way, which is... Via carnival rides. Yes. They have all... They've not just arrived in time to save him. They arrived five minutes ago, all got on different rides, and have timed it such that they are all like... One's rolling in on a roller coaster. One is coming down from like a... Like a Tower of Terror, Power Tower sort of thing. One of them is, I think, rolling through on a... Uh, a car- is one of them is on the carousel, I think, and I forget the other one. I, yeah, I think so. I forget the other one. But too, like, but, do you, um, do you think that they've been in there the whole time? But they had to wait. I in, really hope. But, like so. they had to wait in line for the ride. Like, okay, this is going to be perfect. Naoki, we believe in you. Don't drop that girl, please. Don't drop that girl. We're gonna be there in like five minutes. I've just I'm gonna be on the next car, and then I'm gonna like, be there. Gonna, You're gonna love it. We are gonna crush this entrance. You don't even know. Um, so. Then it's, uh, he does some great attacks. Vivi Gorin does. He has a tennis attack. He's got a volleyball attack. He's got a basketball attack with a pretty sick dunk. It is a pretty sick dunk. I don't know if it's the sickest dunk that we've seen, but it's pretty. I, 
I don't know that it is, but it is very good. Uh, he does a soccer attack, and then Blue, uh, Blue Racer does this like running, flying, f- flying, flipping, uh, like bicycle kick to kick the soccer ball attack back to back to BV Gorn. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, and like that's that takes him out in regular size. But he's like, okay, now yeah. now it is time for giant BV Gorin. He eats the Emilyokan. Now, I do think this would disqualify him from. Um, I think he would be disqualified from competing at this point. Oh, sure, because of like the, that's definitely uh, yeah. I mean, like it's performance enhancing substance. That's that can't be can't be allowed. Um, gonna get stripped of that gold medal, which would be disastrous for him at this stage. Which for him would be a really big problem. Although, I mean, like, listen, I don't know how much money the Barbarian have contributed to the uh, to the IOC. Maybe they'll be willing to look the other way. I mean, I, they certainly do for <laughs> Russia. Heyo, hey, uh, there's some <laughs> some cutting Olympic humor for you all. So um, he does a giant shot put attack, which is pretty awesome. Uh, they but they like use the um, their shield and knock it back at him. So that's pretty rad. And then they throw their um, shield like a discus. Oh man! Oh, I was gonna say like Captain America, but discus does make a lot more sense. I mean, they do say the word discus when they do it. So oh, I missed that. Uh, I'm really just on the lookout for kind of any Captain America, uh, you know, vibe anywhere I can get it. Sure, sure. And, and that then makes that's sense. It. Captain America's awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, he's so great. I love Captain America so much. Uh and then they go to to RV Cut and then that's basically it for for VV Goran. Yeah. Um we we end the episode at like a festival. Like a like yeah. a summer like singing and dancing around wearing like kimonos festival. They I they are, I can they're doing like a big circle dance. I can tell that they are singing a song about Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. But it's not translated in the uh, subtitle, so I don't know what they're saying, which is a real yeah, heartbreaker. Um, all I'm catching is, I'm all I'm catching is like Car Ranger. Um, everybody's there. Signal Man is there. He is wearing a Signal Man sized kimono, which is pretty amazing. It's enormous. Which is kind of weird. Like this is a fairly extensive. Yeah, this is a fairly extensive dance number, by the way. Like this is not a quick scene. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like a weird acting thing, but Red and uh, Kyosuke and Natsumi look like they're having fun. Everybody else looks like vaguely miserable <laughs> at this party. Uh, I'm not really sure why. Uh, so they do this this pretty extensive dance number, and then the princess is like, "Hey, I'd like to show my appreciation." And now he's like, "Oh, you don't need to do that." And then she kisses him, uh, and he passes out, which is great. Yeah, and like, and she just kissed him on the cheek as well. Uh, like everyone runs over to try to like kind of like wave some air in his face or like splash some water on him to get him to wake up, and like this is like as the episode is ending, they manage to get him up. He turns to the left. He sees that she's still standing there, and he faints again. Very good. And that that is the end of that episode, Dave. But of course, it is not the end of our episode, because first we need to determine where. Vivi Gorin lands in the Creature Royale. Yeah, Matt. So I was thinking about this, and the only other sports-themed monster that I can think of is number 47, Omukade, the football centipede. Now, this is the one that was briefly Santa Claus? This is the one that was briefly Santa Claus. I gotta say, dude, 
I really like Vivi Gorin. Yeah, and the fact that the episode came out during the Olympics, I think that that that's an intangible that should give him a little bonus. I I think it does. So I am I am looking up. I'm looking up from from Omukade. Now we do get into like some pretty cool monsters pretty quickly. Um, I think the big one is if we jump up seven spots, it's uh, to slot 37, where Evil Mastermind Genius Kuroda, and then above that is Iron Mask Choryu and the Lipstick Songstress. Yeah, and this so, this line on the list is sort of our. We, we haven't actually hit anything around this line for a while, but for a long time, this was our line of like, if it's below this, it's very good. If it's above this, it's great. Yeah. So, so how do we feel? I, I, do you think that Vivi Gorin is a very good monster or that he's a great monster? I think he's a very good monster. Because um, as I am looking up from that, we are into like all of our favorite monsters, man. We're into... Um, Gali Sensei and Bera Cactus and the Three Imagines and Doctor Yagami. Um, so we're we're into like really really fantastic monsters. I, I don't think he's quite up there, but I do think he's in that zone. Um, so kind of counting up from Omukade, I think he is. We it goes um LLO Nene the Driving Madness, then Bara Darts, Bara Skunk, Sarugami the Ninja Monkey, who's a great monster. Very good. But then Meteor Bam, uh Bara Mike Tan, Elekinta, Gigi Gaki Chan, and then Evil Mastermind Genius Kuroda. Okay. I I might even say Okay, I don't think he's as good as Evil Mastermind Genius Kuroda. If only because Evil Mastermind Genius Kuroda, you gotta say the whole thing. Uh, was in like a bunch of episodes. Right. And, you know, and then above that is like Iron Mask Choryu, and I, I don't think he's that good. But pretty much anyone underneath Evil Mastermind Genius Kuroda, I, I, man, I think he's up there. Okay, so I definitely like him more than Elelio Nene, The Driving Madness. Um, yeah. My... Where I on that list start to think that I maybe don't like him as much as other people is Saragami the Ninja Monkey. Okay. Saragami the okay. Ninja Monkey is extremely good. Yeah. Okay. He stole people's I, moves, I but he was also kind of He dumb, pretended to be a ninja that worked with he them. He had sunglasses and like a crew of minions that would like shape change with him. Yeah, okay. So I would say, so better than Barra Skunk, better than Barra Darts, because Barra Darts really is is that high because of um, Juri's reaction to him. So yeah, I would say better than Barra Skunk and Darts, not as good as Saragami the Ninja Monkey. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good spot for him. And I think that's a pretty high showing. It is 43. It's like top uh, top third, man. Yeah, man. So good for you, Vivi Goran. And that, Dave, that finally does uh, bring this episode of License to Car Ranger to a close. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, uh, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, 
Please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. That would be very cool of you. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.